This is Jim Pruitt, and you listen to another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. So I farm so hard, the employees want to find me, and then want to hire me. What's 100K to a guy like me? Could you please remind me? Farm so hard, this ain't easy. Working late nights, you best believe me. My grades can only go ace. Never want to see another B unless I'm Jay-Z. Farm so hard, let's get paid. What's good, fam? This your host today, Jim Pruitt, a.k.a. FarmD in the ED, and I have a quick episode for you guys today, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Today, we're going to be talking about hypocalcemia resulting from trauma and blood product transfusion. So we know that trauma is one of the leading causes of death in the U.S., and uncontrolled hemorrhage is often the primary cause of mortality. Part of the lethal triad of death is going to include coagulopathy, hypothermia, and acidosis, with calcium being heavily involved in the coagulation cascade. So what we know is that calcium plays a vital role in coagulation and platelet aggregation and is required by clotting factors 2, 7, 9, 10, protein CNS, and also plays a huge role in stabilizing fibrinogen and platelets in developing a thrombus. Citrate in large quantities and rapidly infused like in massive transfusion protocol or MTP as we traditionally call it is a chelating agent and it's used in PRBCs, FFP, and other blood products to prevent calcium from interacting with the clotting factors. But while rapid metabolized in healthy patients, citrate clearance is reduced in the hemorrhagic shock and accumulates with rapidly infused blood products commonly done in MTP in our particularly sick patients. Previous literature suggests that anywhere from 2 to 15 units of blood products are needed to produce a drop in calcium. However, we can get into that at in a later part of this episode. But before we get into that, let's talk about our two agents that are most commonly used in the U.S., calcium chloride and calcium gluconate. So quickly, when looking at the dose, we're going to see anywhere from one to three grams of each of these products used. So one to three grams of calcium chloride or one to three grams of calcium gluconate. I've reached out to a ton of people on Twitter and I've noticed that they have varying concentrations and varying ways that they do this. So when looking at the administration from our nurses out there, calcium chloride in emergent situations can be pushed slow in two to five minutes. However, I'm pretty sure your hospital institutional protocols is not going to allow you to do that. And they're going to say that a central line is required for administration. However, if there is no central lines, you can use a large bore IV, and it's going to be when you're at pericardiac arrest and these patients are essentially going to die in front of you. However, the more the safer product that can be used as a slow IV push over two to five minutes to a peripheral line that your hospital institution may let you do is going to be calcium gluconate. So that's going to be your alternative. However, the key thing to realize is that within these products, you're going to have about three times as much elemental calcium within your calcium chloride compared to your calcium gluconate product. And when thinking about drug interactions, one of the things that you got to remember when giving calcium, you cannot infuse this at the same time as your blood products. It's also going to be compatible with epinephrine, uh, norepinephrine, and sodium bicarb. So when you're resuscitating a patient, you have to figure out if you can get give these things quickly or if you have a separate access that you can infuse your calcium product through. There are going to be multiple ways in which you can have hypocalcemia during trauma resuscitation. We're looking at hypothermia. Hypothermia causes a decrease in metabolism of citrate, so you're going to have accumulation there. And that accumulated citrate is going to bind to the calcium in the body and lead to less available in the blood. When looking at acidosis, a decrease in pH has been associated with a decrease in blood calcium levels. Also, lower pH levels are going to prolong clot formation. In regard to coagulopathy, We've mentioned before that calcium in the plasma is a necessary cofactor for clotting formation. 
And to make matters worse, we're also going to have calcium that's going to be lost due to blood loss and then add on that blood transfusion product. So we have four different ways that we're going to have hypocalcemia traditionally done in trauma resuscitation. So let's very quickly go to the evidence. Vasudevian colleagues posted a retrospective review of trauma patients with about 226 patients. And very briefly, they found that 50% of patients recording ionized hypocalcemia on presentation prior to any blood product transfusion. And ionized hypocalcemia was associated with coagulopathy and patients with a shock index greater than one. Admission ionized hypocalcemia was associated with death at hospital discharge in 25% of patients compared to 15% of patients that were normal calcemic. In an interesting study done by Cowell and colleagues, they found that the incidence of hypocalcemia in a non-treatment group was 70% compared to 28% that was actually treated with calcium. And in the non-treatment group, 26.6 had normal calcium levels compared to 41% that received calcium. Another very interesting finding of this trial was that after only one unit of blood, calcium levels dropped below the normal limit which is a sharp contrast to the 15 units of blood needed to produce hypocalcemia in earlier studies. Lastly, in one of the studies done by some of my colleagues down at Orlando Health, they do great work there. They found that in 156 patients, 97% of their patients experienced hypocalcemia and 71% had severe hypocalcemia and it was using ionized calcium levels. The mortality was higher in the severe group at 49% compared to 24% of those in a non-severe group. And lastly, those patients that had ionized calcium levels 0.9 or lower received more blood products than those patients that had higher levels. There's a few more studies that showed a similar correlation than what we talked about today and that hypocalcemia is present on ED arrival, is associated with increased mortality, and is associated with increased blood product use. So all of this to say, consider giving calcium salts after two units of blood products and routinely monitor ionized calcium levels during resuscitation. All right, guys. So that was our quick episode for today. I placed all the resources on the website under the show notes and the Pharmacy Friday Pearl handout. And again, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Pharmacy Heart Podcast. And as usual, you don't have to be a pharmacist. You don't have to work in the ED. You don't have to do any of those things. But everything you do, make sure you farm so hard. Yeah, rash strikers to your head. Rash strikers to your head. Rash strikers, yeah.